Greetings, everyone. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode 129. So I've arrived in the Gambia. Yay! And it's a beautiful country where the people are really lovely and friendly, but I almost thought I wouldn't get here. Here's what happened. My name is Dr. Asha Sefanit Wadasi, and like many people of African descent, I used to live in the UK, but I always had a dream which developed into a plan to move to an African country of my dreams. After travelling around several African countries on the African continent, I finally settled on Malawi, a small country the size of the UK, which is in the east side of the African continent. And I love it here. My podcast is about my life in Malawi, how I got here, how I'm managing to stay here, and some of the interesting things I get up to during my daily life. I also focus on helping you to break through with your own best life plans for living in your own hot country of your dreams or just having the life you want. I also look at your money freedoms, your job freedoms and many other things that can help you to get that best life. So stick with me as I take you through the Living Your Best Life in Africa experience. It's going to be a blast. So I arrived in the Gambia after 9pm on the 22nd of November 2021. But I had the journey from hell to get here. All I can say is that Africa is big and it's made me have to add in this apology for the late uploading of this episode because the electric situation in Gambia is mvutu kwambiri, meaning much, much worse than the electricity situation in Malawi. And I'm not quite used to working nights to get work done because of the absence of electricity during the day here. So my apologies if you've been waiting patiently for this episode. So my adventures began before I even boarded the plane. I first of all had to get a COVID fit-to-fly test at Malawi Central Hospital 72 hours before I was due to fly. The test was much cheaper than the cost of my test in the UK. The UK test cost me £125, whilst the Malawi test cost me £74. But still, from what I can see... Major money is being made from these COVID PCR tests because even people who have had both vaccine doses are expected to take a COVID test to be sure they do not have COVID when leaving or entering Malawi and the UK and Gambia. So I'm telling you, this thing and the money it generates in testing is going to be around forever. Because no one is going to give up what COVID has provided, which in my view is a license to print money. So I had my COVID test on the Friday morning and I'm flying Sunday afternoon. But guess what? Three hours before my flight is due to leave, 
I don't have my COVID test report. <laughs> what? Yes, I kid you not. I am telling you. If it were not for my Malawian brethren, who has all the chat and the nuances that Malawians love, I would still be sitting in the airport waiting for this piece of paper. At the test centre, the people are either so busy or so focused on getting as many 80,000 quatchas or $100 tests done that they did not provide me with the follow-up information that I needed to receive my test. And only after going back to the hospital twice more did I get this information, by which time I was three hours away from my flight leaving. So you can imagine my anguish. But after some gentle talk from my brethren, I got my test papers and headed for the airport to catch my flight. First part of the flight from Malawi to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia went well. The food was what I expected, which was very little and nowhere near as appetising as food provided for meat eaters. Because, well, there's no justice in this world for vegans. Anyway, we landed at Bole Airport in Addis at 8.10pm and this is where the nightmare began. Now, if you don't know Ethiopia Airways, which is the premier airline in Africa, that airline has undergone a major expansion and their airport, which is Bole Airport in Addis, has now doubled in size. So, of course, double the size means double the passengers. And now everything is about queuing. And the queues are long. I arrived in the airport at ten past eight, and the first queue was for a hotel receipt for my overnight stay in Addis, because my flight to the next destination, which was Ghana, was not leaving until the following morning. That queue took me one hour to get through. The next queue was to then get through immigration. That queue took me 40 minutes to get through, by which time I was losing the will to live. Because, I mean, if you can imagine, I had been up since 3 o'clock that morning on the 21st of November, preparing to leave Malawi. And it was now moving towards 10pm at night, and I felt like I was on my last legs. So here I am, going through customs, and I thought I had cleared the airport when I came out at the other end. But no. After I came out of the queue for immigration, I was then directed to another queue to scan my hand luggage. So I waited in that queue, and thankfully that queue moved very quickly. So I scanned my hand luggage, and I thought that I would then be able to collect my suitcase and leave the airport. But I was wrong. I was now in another queue, by which time the will I had left was fast evaporating. But what can you do? You don't have any choice but to comply, because if you don't comply, you won't get anywhere, and you will never leave that airport. But you can imagine that people are now getting frustrated, and I can hear muttering in front of me and behind me, 
And it can set you off. And it certainly set me off because then my thoughts started to move towards what kind of fresh hell is this? So anyway, I'm scanning the luggage and I think that this is it. I've got my hotel receipt. I've passed immigration. I've scanned my hand luggage. And in my mind, I'm ready to get the transfer bus to go to the hotel and get some rest because that's what's happened before. But no, who told me to think that? I am then directed to another queue. And that queue is to check whether I'm carrying more than $3,000 in any currency at all. And I've been hit by that queue before when I was going home to Malawi. But this time, I didn't have that currency. So apart from a couple of hundred dollars that I had to buy visas... When I was asked the question, I replied no, and I thought, that's it, I'm free, and I thought, great, but no. I'm then directed to another queue, this time to verify my hotel, and this one was the big one. One big, long queue, and by now, the last legs that I had are failing me, because it's about 11.40pm at night. Remember, I arrived at 8.10pm and I'm still in this airport. So I'm in this queue and it takes 40 minutes to get to the front of the queue, only to find that all the hotels are booked solid and I now have to wait for them to find me another hotel. And that took about another 15 minutes, after which I was given a hotel left the airport and my transit vehicle was waiting and took us straight to the hotel and that included me and other victims of this queuing hell. We arrive at the hotel at 12.40am. Can you believe it? 12.40am. It was terrible and probably my worst experience of transiting through Bollet Airport. But I got to the hotel, and the hotel was really nice and comfortable and a really peaceful place, and we were told that we had to order something to eat from room service because of the lateness of the time. So I did that, the food came about ten past one in the morning, and my wake-up call was arranged for 5 a.m., because the bus was coming at 6.15 to pick us up, to take us to the airport. So what's that? Four hours sleep? For an insomniac like me, that's a doze. But nevertheless, you can imagine my thoughts about the suffering that I have to go through for my passion and my best life plan. After that fresh hell... Once we got to Bali Airport the following day, the rest of the journey went pretty smoothly. From Addis Ababa, we went to Ghana, which is Katoka Airport. Everything there went smoothly and I had about one hour to wait after passing through immigration and baggage checks. So not too bad. After Ghana, we then flew to Freetown in Sierra Leone. And then after Freetown, we landed in the Gambia at about 6.30pm on the 22nd of November. And almost two full days of travelling from East Africa to West Africa. And I can say on reflection that I did enjoy the journey. 
but it was a bit stressful and a bit long in places. So arriving in the Gambia at Banjul Airport was another fresh hell. You see, I'm behind the times. I had no idea. And remember, in the last episode that I shared with you, remember that many European women come to Gambia to rent a dread, basically meaning to have sex with young black men during their holiday in the Gambia. I'm not telling you anything that isn't already common knowledge. They've even made programs about it. And if you want to see those programs, all you need to do is to go on YouTube and you can see all the videos there for yourself. But what I didn't know that took me completely by surprise was the fact that young men stand in the airport waiting for women, and in particular single women, to come through the airport. And once they see the women coming through the airport, the peacocking starts and the men start to compete for the attention of the women coming through the airport. It's like watching cocks on show. You know, the male chickens parading the yard, trying to get the attention of the female hens. I'm telling you, if that was my thing, I could have had a pick from at least 10, 11 different men, despite the fact that it was so late at night. I had all the cat calls. Hey, sister, you come alone? Or hey, African queen, can I take you to where you want to go? Or hey, sister, you are Jamaican and I love Bob Marley. I can play music for you. And it doesn't help that I'm tired. And it doesn't help that I know caller boys when I see them because I've read about them and I've watched the videos. So here I am trying to be as polite as possible to them in refusing their offers. But I felt like I was under the microscope because what has happened here is that all women who are traveling or appear to be traveling alone are now tarred with the same brush as European women. So in the eyes of the peacock men who are waiting, we are all the same. We are all looking for sex and we are all looking for holiday romances and a good time. And it's horrible. And I found myself thinking that if I had not known this, if I had not known that this existence is in full play in the Gambia, I could have thought really, really terrible things about the country. But thankfully, I already knew about this. But what I didn't know was that the chase started from the airport. I thought it started on the beaches. But no, it starts at the airport because clearly the competition is hot. So seeing this, I made up my mind that I was not leaving the airport until I had firm instructions about my next steps. And again, I just think it is such a shame that we still have these remnants of enslavement, particularly economic remnants. Poverty is a really, really scurrilous thing because poverty makes people do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. And this is what I was seeing at the airport. 
No one, if they have a choice, wants to live that life. But everyone wants to have the life that they see online. Everyone wants that life where they're not hungry, where they can buy the things that they want. And for some men in Gambia, they feel that this is the way for them to get it. But what invariably happens is that they become the mouse and the European women become the cat. They just don't know it. And if you talk to local people, they'll tell you that these men put their all into these relationships, put these women on a pedestal, only to be dumped at the end of the holiday and then having to rinse and repeat the cycle year after year after year. So me, I'm not leaving the airport until I am certain about my next steps because I don't want to be caught in this cycle and re-victimise those victims that I see at the airport. I had already communicated with the lodge owners and they had kindly given me instructions about what to do when I arrive at the airport. But in the headlights of everything I saw, I did not feel sure enough to follow those instructions. There was just too much going on. So I contacted the lodge owners again and they directed me to a taxi controller who took my suitcase and he took me to the taxi lodge. And then when I got into the taxi, the lodge owners had instructed me to ask the taxi driver to call them, which he did. And he was really nice. And it turns out that the lodge has this arrangement with almost all of the airport taxi drivers so that taxi drivers will call them when anyone is coming to Garvey Lodge. And then the owners give them directions, because as you can imagine, there are hundreds of accommodation spaces in the Gambia, and so they want to be sure that the taxi driver is coming to them. And then, to further make me feel safe, my journey from the airport to the lodge was tracked by the lodge owners who kept calling the taxi driver to make sure the driver was on his way and was taking the right route to the lodge. And it made me feel really secure, knowing that the lodge owners were going that extra mile to make sure that I felt safe. When I spoke to them about it the following morning, they said to me that they knew, they always knew that I would be safe because they live in Gambia. And despite what I see and despite how things are recorded, the Gambia is a very safe country to live in. So they knew that I would be perfectly safe and that I could have left the airport and gone anywhere I wanted to go. But they understood that my first image of the Gambia might have left me feeling unsafe. And so in letting me hear that they were tracking my journey to the lodge, that was about making me feel secure. And I really appreciated that extra kind touch that they put in place to make sure my stay in the Gambia started off on a really positive note. So I don't want to make this episode too long. 
And so what will happen is that I will create additional episodes of the podcast whilst I'm here in the Gambia so I can share my experiences with you. There's also lots of footage and video of my journey here. So if you want to see that, then you are going to have to join my private Facebook group where I'm sharing the more personal images and videos. You'll find the link to my Facebook group at the bottom of the show notes for this episode. So I arrived at Garvey Lodge about 9pm at night and I was shown to a lovely room which is perfect for me. If you know me, I'm not into the thrills and luxury hotels type of thing. I've stayed in some of the best hotels in the world in several continents. So I've been there, done that, and I've worn many, many, many of the t-shirts. Now, for me, it's about living comfortably and saving my money to spend with local people rather than spending money on fancy hotels that are not owned by Africans. So I'll post some of the pictures of my room and one or two pictures showing you what I can see from my balcony. Because my room has a balcony where I can sit outside and eat food in the warmth of the day or the evening. So I'll post some of those pictures so you can see what I see. But if you want to see footage of a more personal nature, then I hope to see you in my Facebook group where you can catch some of that footage. And that's it for my first Gambia episode. Short and sweet. And my top three tips from what I have learned is number one, when you have your PCR test, which is your fit to fly COVID test, make sure you have all the information about who you need to contact if your test papers don't arrive. Number two, Make sure you keep enough energy in your reserve tank to get you through airport chaos. I saw many, many people whose nerves and patience were completely fractured by the airport experience. And when you have been waiting so long for your trip, which might even be your holiday of a lifetime, It could be the worst possible start if you end up on the wrong side of your patient string. So make sure you have enough energy in your reserve tank to get you through the airport. And finally, number three, if you have made your own travel arrangements to get you to your accommodation, make sure you make contact with your hosts whilst you are at the airport. Because the airport has free Wi-Fi and hopefully before you left your European country, you will have communicated with your hosts online using WhatsApp or Telegram or some other type of online chat app. Which means that when you arrive at the airport using airport Wi-Fi, you should be able to make contact with your hosts to let them know that you have arrived and to get their help with travel arrangements for you to get to your accommodation. And this last tip is perhaps the most important and it definitely was the most important for me despite the hell that I went through. 
Because if you leave the airport, there are some airports that don't allow you to re-enter the airport once you've gone outside. So don't leave the airport until you are absolutely sure or as sure as you can be about your next steps. Because once you've left the airport, you could find yourself in a situation where you don't have a local line for you to be able to make calls to your contacts in your visiting country. But you can do this whilst you're in the airport using airport Wi-Fi. For me, I can't wait to see what the morning and the next 18 days will bring. But whatever it does bring, I'll be sharing it with you in the next podcast episode. So keep listening and hit that subscribe button. And you can also follow me on my YouTube channel, which is called Living Your Best Life in Africa, where I'll be posting some short videos on some of the things that I'm seeing and doing so you can see what I see. You'll also find the links at the bottom of these show notes. So until the next episode, keep your dreams alive and don't let anyone take them away from you. Our dreams of better must come, give us life. And that is what we need to keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha. And until the next podcast episode, I'm out.